Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Centra Chamberlain. Vuelve. This is Cast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning. Mm. It is me, but it's it's a version of me. It's, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Do I sound ill or do I sound sexy? Um, it's, a bit de- of both. it's definitely not sexy. It's for me. I mean, that's not what I mean. This is not what I'm looking for in sexy. You know, I think uh, something a little <laughs> sure. more. You know, of, um, yeah, ladies. It sounds geriatric, well. seemingly, based on that impression. <laughs> uh, has, yeah, you're you're not sounding uh, at your at your best. It has to be said. Of course not. Arsenal won. You know, I mean, you know, this is the the nature of the universe, right? Something mm. bad has to happen to me. I do have a bit of a bad throat. I intended to wake up hours ago and start warming up in order to be ready for this podcast. Your vocal exercises, yeah, all that. Yeah, so all of, all of this and that. Mm. But because I didn't sleep very well because of the bad throat, I then woke up late because of the bad throat. So, mm. guys, you've got the bad throat, but I am here. Let's let's not question my commitment to the podcast. Absolutely. Anyway. No, I don't think anybody could ever do that. And, uh, you know, obviously we're all very glad you're here and obviously very all glad that you are under the weather because it helped bring about a, a very good a very good win at the weekend uh, to, yeah. to top what has been a very good week. But we'll touch on that um, uh, in general. How was your, how was your weekend? Uh, football aside, anything interesting happen? Not particularly, actually. I mean, what I did discover, uh, it is football-related, is that my jinxing powers have reached really new heights over the past week. I don't know if you've followed this at all, but everything I say, basically the opposite of it, seems to happen (laughs) on the football pitch. Um, At Southampton, I think I was... Uh, lamenting Alexis Sanchez's performance mere seconds before he he scored. Then I questioned bringing Giroud on, and he scored two minutes later. Mm. And yesterday, I was positively enraged that Arsene Wenger hadn't withdrawn the ailing Alexis Sanchez against Stoke. Uh, I just clicked send on my uh, angered tweet as he fired the ball off a defender and into the far corner. So Mm. all I can say is that you know, Middlesbrough have absolutely no chance of getting anything at Liverpool next weekend. That seems the only the only possible thing for me to say at this point. All right, well, fair enough. You are you are very much on a roll. It has to be said. I did notice that was midweek. Yeah. I didn't notice the one uh, uh, against Stoke, but uh, no, I, I found your uh, I found your lucky charms. You'll be glad to know. Yes, I saw. Thank you for those. I mean, uh, to have those back in my arsenal is, mm. is a big thing. I have been looking for them. Um, do we know who took them yet? Who uh, I responsible? They were in a shop. They were in a shop. Um, I see. So, I always knew that mm. these shopkeepers were the, were the most evil people out there, really. Arrgh, um, they're after me lucky charms. Well, so there yes, you go. Yes, well, 
I mean, I'll tell you what, it would be extraordinary if I attempted that this morning. Who knows what sound would come out? Yeah, uh, do it. It's on. almost tempting. Or to is try it too sore? It's, let's see how much it hurts. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting sound. Oh, wow. That's like r- rubbing a cheese grater on my vocal cords. Oh, dear. I'm not going to go further than that. Army hardies. They're It's a limited range I'm working with, guys. They're after me. I sound like a parrot that's being strangled. Oh. Okay, I'm going to leave it. I go, can I go? Army, army. They're, <laughs> they're after me, lucky chars. <laughs> it doesn't have the same force to it, does no, it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, but it's much funnier. Um... <laughs> I mean, before I came on the show, I literally just ate a spoonful of honey to kind of lubricate my throat. That's, that's the situation we're in here, guys. A spoonful um, of honey. Yeah, it helps the medicine go down and also uh, helps the podcast go down. It does, and also it's delicious. Mm, I do like honey, actually. Uh, it's yeah. it's a favourite thing of mine, honey. I, I quite like the, you know, the the not necessarily the golden honey, but the other the honeycomb kind of honey stuff. You know, the one that's yeah. all crunchy and it's got bits of, I suppose, bits of bee in it and stuff. But I'm not, I'm not fussy. <laughs> it's bee, I think. It's bee corpses. <laughs> yeah, it's not vegetarian that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Did Did you see yesterday? Of course, the great closing ceremony uh, of a certain venue near us. Did you catch any of that at all? I, I didn't because yesterday I decided that, um, well, you know, the football uh, week had been good. Ooh, hello. I don't know what that is. Um, the football week had been good to us. And oh. we'd obviously beaten Stoke, we'd beaten Southampton, we'd beaten Manchester United. And I felt like I needed to to take a break from football. So I didn't watch anything. I watched a little bit of the Crystal Palace Hall game earlier in the day, but then... Uh, I went off looking for your lucky charms, which I found, sure. um, and I, I decided, look, I, I don't really want to watch Liverpool and West Ham because I, I sort of figured if I watch it you know, via Twitter, maybe it'll be great. I'll see lots of excited Twitter messages about how, oh, West Ham have scored. Oh, can they hold on? But of course, that didn't happen at all. West Ham were, were rubbish by all accounts, mm. but not that that should be a surprise to us. And then the idea of watching Tottenham and Manchester United... Uh, no, I, I couldn't be arsed, and nor could I be arsed at this kind of fake homage or celebration of a ground that isn't being knocked down, it's just being rejigged and turned around a bit, isn't it? They're just sort of expanding it. It's not like they're moving stadium to a brand new stadium. White Hart Lane will exist uh, in a different form, so I didn't quite get why it was they were going on and on about it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I guess so. It's like someone sort of moving to live in the shed at the bottom of their garden. I, uh, my grandparents did that. True story. They did what? They <laughs> knocked down White Hart Lane. Yeah, yeah, they were brave, brave soldiers in this battle. <laughs> no, it was an extraordinary ceremony afterwards. I mean, all the Spurs greats came out. Justin Edinburgh walked out hand in hand with Alan Hutton. Oh, David Bentley was there on a pedestal, you know, being raised above. They carried in Bobby Zamora. On a golden throne. <laughs> yes. Sergei Rebrov was among the fans, cuddling everyone. Pavlichenko. Helder, yeah, Pavlichenko. It was good to see him. A speech was made by Helder Postiga. Beautiful. And all, all Chris, Armstrong sang, <laughs> Chris Armstrong yeah, Chris sang. Chris Armstrong sang a song. Sang. Oh, Stefan it was Freund. Honestly, 
Stephen Freud. Stephen Freud was actually there. He probably uh, did a dance. I'm sure he did a dance. Stephen Freud did it like an angry dance. Oh, was what's his face there? The very angry man. What's his name? The guy who, what? Ah, oh, fuck. Uh, Clive Allen. I wonder what's he go. Oh, oh Clive Allen, probably commentating on the whole thing. Mauricio Tarico, obviously there. Mm. Uh, Tim Sherwood just stood at the sidelines, saluting everyone. Wearing a gilet. A giant golden chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Sherwood. Walks onto the field. Yeah. Yeah, interesting scenes. Well, look. But, uh, you didn't miss much. No, I didn't. Uh, and also, you know, fuck Tottenham. Let's talk about beating Stoke, because that was, that was fun. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I've really enjoyed the last week. You know, um, you know what that'll be? Uh, that'll be the results being good. Wow, and performances being quite good as well and, and scoring yeah. good goals and the team showing some heart and fight and character and spirit and application and actually looking like they know what they're doing on the pitch. It's, it's remarkable the way uh, the results have improved when all those things have been put in place. Yes, if only we had put in place the being good ages ago. Mm. Um, but look, we haven't won that many... What is it, our second win away at Stoke in the league of the Premier League era. Yeah. If that is an era. People keep calling it an era, so I assume it is. Mm. Uh, but very emphatic. And frankly, 4-1 four, four should have been 4-0. Should have uh, been. I, I was very annoyed about us not keeping another clean sheet. Cause I, because I like the back three so much, I sort of want all the clean sheets to kind of corroborate that. Do mm. you know what I mean? So when they, when they steal one... When they steal Rob Holdings' clean sheets with a handball, mother infuriated, motherfuckers. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I think we can chalk it off. Though we can basically say that that goal doesn't exist because yeah. because it, it was a big piece of cheating from from Peter Crouch. And what I think what annoyed me about it more than anything was the fact that he ran off celebrating like he just scored an absolutely brilliant header. There wasn't even like the boom, I just put it in, right, let's quickly um, march back to the centre circle and get on with the game. He actually milked it. He, you know, he took applause for his his infamous cheating, for his, his nefarious... What's the, another word for cheating? I can't think of one at the moment. Um, I don't know. Skullduggery. Skullduggery I, uh, is a great word, yes. Yeah, it's a good word, isn't it? But I, um, funnily enough, this weekend there was a documentary on Sky Sports about Diego Maradona's handball goal against England in 1986. Now, I'm mm. not for a second comparing Peter Crouch to Diego Maradona. I, I, would, not, I would not dare to do so. But he spoke in the documentary about how the celebration that he did was so uh, over the top because he was like, if they see any shed of doubt, they'll know that I handled the ball, so I have to kind of act the part as if I've scored a really good goal. <laughs> Crouch was obviously adopting the same theory. He'd seen this documentary too and thought, I'll never be as good a footballer as Peter Crouch, as, as Diego Maradona, but mm. I can be as good a cheat. Yeah, maybe. Well, it was a rank piece of uh, cheating and deception from Peter Crouch, and it came at a point in the game where you were just hoping, oh, please don't concede a goal here, because it was 2-0, it was relatively comfortable, they had changed things, you know, they bring Crouch on, they decided, let's not play football anymore, let's get a big man up there and just launch, you know, long balls, let's stoke it up here. Let's stoke the fires yeah. of stokiness. And then they scored that goal, you're thinking, oh, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, because as much as I, you know, I, I, I quite like the back three and it seems to be going places, I'm not yet fully assured of our ability not to 
fuck things up, you know, in difficult circumstances and Stoke getting a goal back, I was thinking, where's the Mustafi red card? Mustafi's going to do another ridiculous sliding tackle because that's what he does. He's just going to leap in and Mike Dean will take the chance to send him off and we'll be down to 10 men and we'll just be bombarded for the last, uh, the last 15, 20 minutes. I can remember a game. Do you remember a game a couple of seasons ago? I can't remember who it was against. Maybe it was against... Queen's Park Rangers or somebody like that and it was during this period of the season we'd been beaten at White Hart Lane I think and we were trying to get back into the top four and we ended up winning a lot of games 1-0 and 2-1 but we we seemed to score a lot of goals early and we spent a lot of the last sections of games battling to to hang on to the lead that we had. I remember Per Mertesacker making a tackle with his back. Remember he just sort of fell backwards onto the ball in the area and made a tackle with his back and I had visions of that kind of stuff stuff going on against Stoke where you know players were just something would happen we'd like concede a ridiculous cliche-esque penalty in the last couple of minutes but that, that wasn't the case and uh, cheaters never prosper so take that Peter Crouch you big lanky bastard it's lovely when there's kind of a, a moral message at the end of a football match mm. uh, but yeah that was QPR years ago I remember it well Theo Walcott scored inside 20 seconds or something like something ludicrous like that mm. and we then spent the entire rest of the game kind of camped on the edge of our own penalty area against QPR uh, and, and managed to, against QPR that was the state we were in at the time mm. but I uh, yeah I mean look it, this was um, it wasn't I guess it wasn't quite the physical battle that we've come to expect at Stoke maybe because they didn't start with Crouch I mean I felt like we coped I don't know if it's just that we coped better or they weren't quite as orcish and aggressive as usual. What was your interpretation? Well, I don't think they have been quite as physical as they were in the past. Under Mark Hughes, he's obviously changed the profile of the players a little bit. You know, you have Shakiri, who's a really talented, fat player, um, and (laughs) and other players, you know, Joe Allen, Glenn Whelan, not necessarily, you know, the guys who are going to put it about the way that previous uh, Stoke teams did. Um, if there was a bit, a bit of physicality, it was, it was coming from us. But I thought we were on top, really, for most of that first half. Um, you know, we, we had much more of the ball. They didn't threaten a great deal with it. And it was about, well, how are we going to find a breakthrough? Where is that first goal going to come from? And I thought it was interesting that having picked Olivier Giroud up front, we saw what happens when you can actually get decent service to a striker with this system. Um, first goal was really yeah. very nice. Uh, nice pass from Xhaka to Coquelin, Coquelin to Bellerin, Bellerin squares it. I mean, very simple, but that's the kind of thing we haven't really been able to do, uh, even even over the last couple of weeks when we've been uh, using this back three and we've had this sort of mini resurgence in form we haven't quite clicked from an, uh, an attacking point of view, so it was really good to see us do that against Stoke. Yeah, and I'll be honest, like there were a couple of changes in the starting lineup that I was really happy to see. Koscielny coming back into the back three, mm. uh, Nacho Monreal moving out to wing back. I was less uh, enthused, maybe, about Giroud and Coquelin coming into the side, but they both justified their selection. Uh, with with really good you know decent performances and, yeah. I, and I uh, I take my hat off to Coquelin because he played kind of a slightly different role you know with Shaka being generally a, a kind of deep line player there was more onus on Coquelin to be kind of box to box and he produced a really good pass in the build up to that goal and good to see Hector Bellerin kind of carrying on 
where Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain left off, I guess, with that, with that assist. Mm, yeah, it was a good assist and uh, nice to... It'll be good for him to get some confidence back, um, having been left out of the team for Oxlade-Chamberlain, to come back in, remind people that, you know, he, he is still a really exciting prospect, even if this season has been a little bit disappointing for him. Um, that second goal that we scored, oof, I love that. I love that goal. Um Mm. just the combination between those two players. I mean, look, you see people say uh, lots of stuff, don't you, when when things are going wrong, when things aren't as good as they should be, when passions are high, people are inflamed. But the idea that Arsenal would be better off without Alexis Sanchez or Mesut Ozil is frankly absurd. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it was a brilliant goal, wasn't it? And, and it reminded me, really, It was, I mean, it was sexier than even my voice today. And uh, it reminded me of the kind of stuff they were producing, actually, in that early part of the season. When when Ozil was playing as the number 10, Alexis as the number 9, we were seeing that kind of thing quite frequently, weren't we? Alexis dropping deep, Ozil running beyond him. And actually, that's been a little bit absent of late. But this was the match in which I thought that those two players kind of best interpreted their new positions. I thought Ozil's steadily been growing in confidence, but in this game, his movement between the lines, his uh, willingness to, to get forward, to get beyond the striker, uh, was kind of, you know, he had, he had a lot more confidence to his game. And you saw that in the finish. I mean, that was a brilliantly, brilliantly taken finish. And Alexis's pass, if you look at it, when he actually plays the ball, there's like a corridor of six Stoke defenders mm. he threads it between. It's it's absolutely stunning. And obviously, if, if it was reversed and it was Ozil providing the pass for Alexis... Um, you wouldn't be at all surprised because yeah. it, it really is that good a ball. Mm. And then, you know what? What's interesting about it, I guess, is the fact that uh, people have been critical of uh, Alexis Sanchez giving the ball away, which is which is mm. true. He has done. He's given the ball away far too often, but he is still capable of finding the kind of pass that can open up a defense. And I thought the the Ozil's first touch was just like, oh, delicious. Yeah. That was absolutely delicious. And again, that's the kind of football that we haven't really been seeing an awful lot of from Arsenal. You know, Arsene Wenger always talks about his team being, uh, you know, an attacking one. This is the kind of football that he wants his teams to play. Um, And we've been a bit more functional than that, it has to be said, uh, particularly in the second half of the season. So to see a little bit of that coming back into the team, look, it might be too little too late in terms of the, the Premier League. Uh, because it's it's uh, out of our hands, as we know. But when you've got a cup final coming up at the end of the month, to have those players get back on those kind of wavelengths and to restore that bit of confidence, that's no bad thing at all. Yeah, yeah. The only thing, actually, that I would kind of um, take, not issue with, but I might disagree with you slightly, is that when people say we might be better off without without one or two of those players, I can't see an Arsenal team that's better off without Alexis Sanchez. But I do sometimes wonder if, as as well as good a quality as player as Meza Özil is, if he requires um, he, if he requires you to play in a certain way and afford him certain luxuries. Mm. And I do wonder if there is a question over whether we could f- pl- have a better functional side without a pure playmaker in that way, because plenty of other teams seem to manage it. That would be my only sort of uh, counterpoint to you. Sure. Okay, well, that's fair enough. I see that point of view. I do wonder if Mesut Ozil might be a more effective player if things behind him worked more effectively yeah, as well. Um, and I, You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that his worst spell of the season came when Arsenal also had their worst spell of the season, but midfield became a real problem. 
Um, mm. we, we knew it had been a problem for most of the season, but it, it was in really sharp focus when um, when Ozil was going through that slump in form. So, look, you know, yeah, I see that. I see that point of view. But maybe, maybe he's a guy who, if you keep, there are certain games that you don't play him in. But is he that kind of player? Is yeah. he so important that, or he's got that profile that you can't necessarily just whittle him in and out of the team? You know, so I mean, look, think about it. He, he, Stoke away is the classic game where you don't play Mesut Ozil on paper, right? That would sure. be one of those yeah. fixtures where people say, "Are you going to go to Stoke away? Are you going to play Mesut Ozil?" Look what he did, you know. And uh, you yeah, know I, that, yeah. that that's again, it's a consequence of the team playing well. So you know, I do wonder again if we focus a bit too much on on individuals and what have you. But look, it's uh, it's an interesting one. No doubt people will uh, will have their own opinions on that. Um, so then Stoke scored. They got that cheaty goal from Peter Crouch, and we were thinking, oh. This could be bad. Then Alexis Sanchez is signaling to the bench. And he's, you know, when Alexis Sanchez is signaling to come off, you're going, uh oh, this is not good because he he would play through the pain, as we know. He would he would play football um, with bare feet on a pitch of broken glass just to play football. So to see him signal to come off was a bit of a worry. I was very surprised that they didn't do it more quickly. Because they must know as well as we do that when Alexis wants to come off or, or, or feels like he has to come off, there must be a, a problem. Yeah, I mean, I was watching it thinking, you know, obviously the cameras picked it up, him making that signal, but I was thinking, have the staff seen it? Because not only does, you know, if he wants to come off to assume that his leg is, I don't know, hanging by a thread, but we also knew that at that point we were winning the game. You know, we had another game coming up on, on Tuesday, which looks as if it might be very important indeed. So I was freaking out that he was staying <laughs> on the field. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I guess it was a good thing because even with that one leg, he was able to find a, find a way to make the difference. He certainly did. I mean, it was, a, it was a really nice goal as well because Holding won the ball on halfway, more or less, played it to Bellerin, Bellerin yeah. played it to Alexis, drove into the box, and of course it deflected off Ryan Shawcross. Um, Ideal. Perfect. Absolutely, idea. absolutely perfect. I mean, if there's if there's anything can be made better by a, a goal that more or less seals a game against Stoke, the fact that it deflected off Ryan Shawcross is like the icing, the cherry on the icing on the cake uh, for me. Because uh, yeah, what a cunt. Yeah, and you mentioned it very briefly, but holding winning the ball high up the pitch, I mean, that was a really important element in Danny Welbeck's goal against Manchester United not long ago, mm. uh, and it's something he does very well. You know, when you look at him, you, you see kind of a tall guy, not necessarily the quickest. You don't assume he's someone who'd be press, uh, comfortable pressing up into higher areas of the field, like Koscielny and Mustafi, but mm. he is surprisingly adept in, in those areas. Yeah, he likes to have a little run with the ball as well. There were a couple of times, I think maybe in the Manchester United game or the Southampton game anyway, that he took off with the ball at his feet. He's like, well, it's opened up in front of me. I'm going in there. Um, he does. Yeah. He, he is very, very comfortable on the ball for a guy who's barely played 20 games for Arsenal. He is very, very comfortable on the ball, always wants it, uh, is good at winning it, good at distributing it. Um, it, it was a very impressive performance from, from a young guy who has... Uh, the, the, People have really taken him to their hearts very quickly. Um, you know, I wrote something a few weeks ago about, look, we've, we've got to just... 
not necessarily calm it down, but don't let's heap uh, loads of pressure and expectation on this kid because he is a young player. We know that young players, when they come into a team first, can flourish. Then they have little dips in form, as we've seen with plenty of players down the years. The only one I can really think of that never had that was, was Fabregas because he was just so good from the start. But it's inevitable that at some point... Uh, he will go through a little bit of a dip in form and you hope that people will be understanding of that. But there's so much to like about what he does and how he does it. I guess we're looking for things to cling on to for bright spots in the season and he's definitely one of them. He has been. He's been remarkable, really. I mean, especially given the expectations when he arrived. You know, this was a guy who not many people had seen play many games. He was relegated from the championship last season with Bolton. And he's taken to Premier League football like a... I don't know, like a duck who's really good at football. I mean, he's been he's been really excellent, and he's so assured on the ball. I mean, when you watch um, when you watch John Stones, and I know that you know we don't necessarily want to make comparisons, but mm. there was so much fuss about him when he was coming through Everton, and you know, holding really does seem to be below the radar. I think we probably have to be grateful for that because you know the minute the scrutiny turns up, obviously that comes with certain pressures and you know mm. international football and things like that, but. He, he's just been absolutely outstanding and I actually think that, you know, we talk about balance in the team often and, you know, I remember last season it was Alex Awobi who came in in the second half of the campaign and Mohamed Elneny and they seemed able to kind of balance our midfield and I think that holding uh, provides real balance uh, to our defence. He's a, a natural counterpoint to Mustafi and Koscielny and, yeah, at the moment, you know, he's one of the first names on the team for the for the FA Cup final. Unfortunately, uh, nobody speaks about the performance of Rob Holding today. You should be happy. He's English. He's 20 years old. But I'm sorry he didn't cost 55 million, so he cannot be good. He's been very impressive. And of course, of course, he took out Arnautovic as well, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, he, he is a snide little fucker, Arnautovic. Um <laughs> You know, he, he he really did a lot of damage to Matthew Debushi and Matthew Debushi's Arsenal career. You know, you feel like it would have had a different traje- trajectory uh, had he not picked up that second injury because it came not long after he'd come back from a, a bad ankle ligament injury he picked up very early in his first season. Comes back, mm. uh, gets pushed over the advertising hoardings while he's off his feet. Really dangerous shit from uh, from Arnautovic. So a little bit of uh, poetic justice there. Dished out yeah. by dished out by Rob Holding. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. No. And uh yeah, I and and I like that about Holding too, you know, even at this age he's prepared to be physical, he's not gonna be bullied, he doesn't look the most intimidating, but he's a, a strong lad and yeah, look, I absolutely love him. I mean obviously we've been down this road before with young defenders who seem to have loads of promise and it hasn't necessarily <laughs> materialised, but Fingers crossed, we've got we've got a good one here. It looks mm. that way. Let's just enjoy it. And then a fourth goal to really uh, cap the day from Olivier Giroud. Two goals for Olivier Giroud, an assist for Aaron Ramsey, who could have scored himself. Uh, Stoke were pretty much battered by the end of it. I think Arsenal were well well uh, well deserved winners. Yeah, that's it. And I enjoyed Aaron Ramsey's cameo as well. I felt like when he came on, uh, understandably, you know, he wanted to make a good impression. And and it actually, he came on for Alexis Sanchez, didn't he, in a slightly more advanced role. Yeah. And I, as good as he's been in the, in those deeper midfield roles, I thought that was interesting too. I thought he, obviously, so retired at that point, but just the sheer legs and willingness to run, uh, get up into the box and stuff, really gave Arsenal an extra dimension in those last few minutes. And I enjoyed that Giroud goal. A sliding, a sliding finish is always sort of a fun one to watch. Yeah, that's true. Someone asked. Uh, if, 
I should do like a blog post or something about the favorite kinds of goals, you know, thumping headers, volleys, slidey mm. ones, all that kind of stuff. So I must do that. Or maybe it's something we can do on the podcast one of the weeks. Uh, but look, yeah, three wins in a week. If you'd said to me a week ago that we were going to go to uh, Stoke and win, we were, we were going to go to Southampton and win on the back of beating Manchester United at home. I, I'm not necessarily sure I would have believed you, but a fantastic week. Um, do we have to temper well, We definitely it? didn't predict it, did we? I, I doubt no. we predicted oh, the results. Where did... Oh, fuck. Did I throw them out? Oh, no, I got it. It's on a post-it, and I've, I've almost thrown out all the post-its. So, Southampton... Uh, I predicted a win. Oh, I no. predicted a win. And you predicted a draw. Um, And for Stoke... I predicted a win, and you predicted a defeat. Wow, so you actually are getting it bang on for this week. Yeah, yeah. What um, did you predict for Sunderland? Um, win, win. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure we both did. I'm um, sure we both did. So, I mean, do we have to temper it with the, with the, like, where the fuck was that? In January and February and March, where were the where were these performances? Where were these players? Um, or do we just enjoy it for the week that's in it? Or have we been over all that? I don't know. I mean, it's it, it is great to win. It's great to win those games. It's great to beat Stoke. I I loved it. But you can't help look uh, and look and think, well, what? Why couldn't you do that against West Brom? Why couldn't you do that against Crystal Palace? Why couldn't you do that against Watford? There's a part yeah, of me I mean, that can't escape that. I think so. And there's also a part of me that wonders, um, you know, we beat United, we beat Southampton, and we beat Stoke. Three mid-table teams, you know, <laughs> who, aren't really, uh, who aren't really playing for anything necessarily in the Premier League. I do wonder how much of a factor that might have been. It's not as if we're playing, you know, the Hulls and the Swansea's. We're really scrapping for survival still. Mm. But... Yeah, I mean, look, you can only beat what's in front of you, blah, 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 blah. It is frustrating and it is kind of maddening to see us go on this run that's going to bring us so close to fourth. And, you know, you feel like you see Liverpool lose to West Ham and you go, well, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, you know, West Ham have cost us there. Mm. The reality is we've cost ourselves all season long. There are plenty of opportunities for us to pick up those extra points. Even on the opening day against Liverpool, you know how costly is that going to be? Us not being ready at the start of the well, season. Well, yeah, of know? course, but not no more costly than any of the other games that we fucked up. Really, you know, it's easy to look back at that first one and say we could have done things differently, but we, we could have done things differently in all the games that we've lost. Um, so yeah, but look, it's six six wins from seven now since we moved to a back three. Arsenegger mm-hmm. said he was thinking about moving to a back three as far back as November. He had been considering. I'm not necessarily sure. I I I buy it. But um, it's it's definitely something he's got to stick with now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's I've been thinking about it a lot recently, and I kind of wonder if did, was it a switch he made part, partly just thinking about that FA Cup semi final and potentially final? Did he think, well, look against the likes of City, Chelsea, and Spurs, I'm going to need this back three, and kind of at that point our league campaign looked dead in the water, but it's it's mm. picked up some momentum and he's stuck with it. Uh, I, uh, look, it, it's definitely working. It's here till the end of the season. There's just no argument against it. The results yeah. have been so much superior to what we were seeing before. And I wouldn't put it past us getting another couple of wins at home in the next week to kind of finish the season on a bizarre 
high? I yeah, don't know. I don't know whether it would necessarily be a high, but we can. I think I've got a question about it somewhere, so we might touch on that. But we do have Sunderland tomorrow night, a team that are relegated, a team that have literally nothing to play for, thus nothing to lose. And I feel like Arsene Wenger is going to make some changes to his side uh, for tomorrow night's game because, A, of the opposition, but also because we it would make what? For some of the players, it would be four games in eight or nine days, which I think is yeah. too much. Uh, you know, I know they're professionals and highly tuned athletes and all that kind of stuff as well, but he's got to find the balance between... Um, keeping things fresh and making sure that players don't get injured, knowing that any injury now is going to rule anyone out of the FA Cup final. That is the that is the danger, I guess. So being able to manage his squad a bit. So you could see like um, Iwobi come in. We could see Elneny come in. We could see, who maybe Lucas Perez. He could come in. Did you see this, Lucas Perez? Uh, I don't mm. know if you saw this, but Lucas Perez uh, was posting on his uh, Instagram um, because he's not been playing. But uh, he he went to the Harry Potter experience. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Did he yeah. have a good time? He did have a good time. He said, Buenissima experiencia. Uh, it's a great experience in the Harry Potter official studios. And there's a picture of Lucas <laughs> Perez standing there in uh, a big Harry Potter robe. I presume he's sitting on a, a broom. Looks right. like it. If you look, uh, if, do you want me to send you the link here? Uh, I guess I'm going I'm to look it up myself. Don't worry. Yeah, it's uh, so he's he's having a fine time. Apart from the fact he's obviously not playing <laughs> any football. You see him there? Yeah, I think that is a broom. I think that is a broom. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, um, he's, well, he's, he's having just, a lovely yeah, time. He's yeah. having a good old time. So maybe he might get a game tomorrow. Theo Walcott. Who knows? But he's got to make a couple of changes. I think. Yes, I mean, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be intrigued to see how it goes down. There's some talk that it won't be. Uh, full at the Emirates Stadium tomorrow night. I suspect that may prove to be the case. But, mm. you know, uh, I'll, I'll be there. And I, and I think uh, Lucas Perez is one I assumed he was injured for the longest time. But uh, actually, very much around. Mm. So there you go. So there you go. Um, but I, I kind of feel like, I don't know if you saw the most recent quotes from Arsene Wenger on him, where he said, uh, you know, I, I feel bad. I've not been able to afford him enough playing time. I mean... I'll, I'd be very surprised if Lucas Perez is still here next season, which is a shame because mm. I've enjoyed him. Mm. Me too, me too. But I think he should get a run out uh, tomorrow night. And hopefully those players who come in are fresh and want to remind the manager that they're still around and maybe if uh, you know put something in his mind ahead of the cup final. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. So look, um, will we take a, a little short break and then come back with exciting news and questions in part two? Yes, let's do that. All right. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. All right, welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Before we do that, just a couple of quick things. Remember, if you listen on iTunes and you want to give the show a rating or a review, that would be very much appreciated because it uh, puts us up the iTunes charts and uh, puts us ahead of of people that we can go, hey, we're better than those people, and it makes us feel good inside. So uh, if you do have time to do that, that will be greatly appreciated. And there's exciting news this week, James, because there's going to be an extra Arscast Extra. There is indeed Arscast Extra Extra. Extra! It's not live. Arscast <laughs> Extra Extra! That's, sorry, that was just yeah. my impression of you doing lucky, <laughs> you doing lucky charms doing ours cast extra extra. So yeah, we're going to be here on Wednesday because we're playing uh, Sunderland tomorrow night. So we'll have an ours cast extra on Wednesday, and a regular ours cast uh, will be as normal on Friday. So three podcasts this week uh, for the final week of the Premier League season, and hopefully, hopefully things can can go our way. Beat Sunderland, beat Everton. Liverpool have a dose of the shits. Callum Chambers scores the winner. Everything's good. Everything's hunky dory again. Hooray! Arsenal <laughs> in ten-year contract. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you hold out any hope? Do you think uh, it's done with Liverpool being West Ham, or are you, are you, do you think there's still a chance we might get this pull this off? Look, there's a chance, but. It's it's really slim. I can't see Borough taking anything at Liverpool. They're going to Anfield. Um, unless Liverpool absolutely bottle it on the day. Unless they do a Spurs 2006. There's, yeah. you know, there's, there's no real chance. And of course, you've got to win those two games. You know, Sunderland, I, I think people look at as a... As a foregone conclusion, I just have a little bit of a worry that having focused so heavily for the three games that we had to focus on, you know, United, Southampton and Stoke, that they might just look at this game and slack off very slightly. And we know what happens to Arsenal teams when they do that. So I hope that's not the case. But then Everton as well on the final day of the season, it's good. They're a tough team. Um, it's never an easy game that's against Everton. Game. So, Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, first up, Sunderland, let's... Uh, Make sure we don't embarrass ourselves there Indeed, we, we go any further. Indeed. Uh, shall we have a question? Yes, let's, let's shall us have a question, we shall. Have you got a good first question, or shall I, shall I delve into my little bag of I, I've got one here that a number of people want to know, because a lot of people have been asking this. For example, uh, Rob, who's at regular old Rob, um, Tom Stebbings, Scotty S18, uh... Oh wow, Mister Mister Mrinal Romahan. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. It's M R I N A L. Marinal, Marinal, Mister Einal, Mister Mister Einal, Mister Einal, Mister Einal. That's Mister Einal to you. Yes, mate. Yeah. They all want to know about Alexis when he celebrated his goal. Uh, mm. He tapped the badge and then pointed at the ground. Um, does that mean he's 
He's going to stay. Is that what that signal was? It's, it's not him moving to Stoke, obviously, but does that mean in front of the Arsenal fans, tap the badge? Or is that like I've got new shoes, my feet are lovely, or I'm going to stay? What is it? My heart hurts. Could someone get help to me here immediately? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 uh, yeah, I saw that, and I have to be honest, it felt positive. He was, he was touching the badge recently in another game. Um, what, what, what other goal did he score in a recent um, match? I forget now. The one against um, Southampton, maybe? Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was banging the badge then as well, and I thought, oh, hello. Um, obviously, I really hope it means that he's like, I have agreed a new contract in principle, I will be staying here. I, I can't help but be a bit more cynical about footballers than that. I, I kind of feel like, <laughs> as much as I love Alexis... Uh, it does feel like in his contract negotiations, negotiations, there have been kind of machinations, and to borrow a word from earlier, potentially a bit of skullduggery too. I think it kind of suits his interest to be like, look, I I wanted to stay at Arsenal, that's what I wanted, but, you know, it, it, it couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of it anymore. What did you make of the celebration? Uh, I didn't really pay that much attention to it, to be honest. Uh mm. You know, players tap the badge all the time. We had another question from Stuart, uh, who's at FunStew22, and he said, do you think the players' badge tapping of late is encouraging, or are they just following instructions to get the fans back on side, which is, a, of course, a, a cynical view, but, you know, it's football. It's footballers, and you just can't tell. I, I would I would not go too deeply into it I wouldn't read too much into it he, he might be it might have been a genuine thing he might be just saying I, I really want to stay uh, he could have just wanted to draw attention to his nice new boots uh, I, I, you know you can't say with any certainty that just because he did that Alexis Sanchez is going to stay at Arsenal uh, next season beyond that I suppose the issue isn't necessarily about whether he's going to stay next season it's whether he's going to sign a new deal so if he'd made like a you know a scribbly pen motion, like if he'd if he'd dipped his ah, quill into some ink, mime. yeah, exactly. If he yeah, dipped his yeah. uh, quill into some ink and then unfolded a parchment and then you know signed his name at the bottom of the parchment, then I might be inclined to think, okay, you're 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 onto something here. But beyond that, um, yeah, I, I I can't read too much into it. Well, let's not forget we live in an era of kind of a. Uh, club authored tweets that players send out it was Christian Benteke who got done by it this weekend oh, did, did you see he? that way no, no. he started a week he started a, a tweet had a picture of him celebrating and it just began with the words caption and a colon <laughs> and then it was like thanks to the fans for their amazing support today one step closer you know blah 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 oh my god I know um, like footballers have got these t- PR teams and everything else but like just pick up your fucking phone and type and, uh, it yourself I know. Well, I guess maybe clubs want control or PR teams want control of these things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think after the whole Palace furore, there was probably a bit of a sense of, you know, can you mm. can you say nice things about the club? We all remember those Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain interviews, and I'm sure there was some something genuine to them, but yeah. they also felt smartly timed. Uh, and so it, you have to kind of view everything through a bit of a prism at the moment. I yeah. don't know what's happening with Alexis, and uh, I 
I'm not sure he necessarily does either. But well, yeah, I don't, um, I don't think anyone knows what's happening with anything. You know that that is the thing. We're you know six weeks away from the manager's contract expiring, um, and there's mm-hmm. still no news on that. So uh, a player whose contract doesn't run out until 2018 is probably not high on the priority list. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but I'm just saying that that you know in terms of what the club are doing is is uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of any of it. So. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. But uh, no, I don't think we can draw any firm conclusions, unfortunately. Mm. I would love to. Mm. Um, Let's have another question. This is from John Smith, who's at Corporeal Clegg. Is that how you pronounce that word? Corporeal? Corporeal? Corporeal. 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 I knew I'd got that wrong, and I knew people were going to tweet me about it, so I thought I'd just flag it at this point. And uh, (laughs) he asks, which formation... Would you like to see us build our tactics and transfers around for next season? Well, look, I like the three at the back. I like what it offers us defensively. Uh, As I said, I think last week, I'm not quite sure we know quite how to make it tick from an uh, attacking point of view just yet. But I like the fact that it's new. It's something different. There's a bit of variety to it. It does change the way that we play to a certain extent. It makes us certainly less predictable for the opposition because you always knew, you know, how Arsenal were going to play. Um, This sort of 4-2-1-2-1 thing that was going on for ages, uh, you know, it it was stale. You know, you remember the excitement when for the first, what, half an hour of the Chelsea game, we went 4-3-3. And then just settle yeah. back into into that thing. But I, you know, I like the idea of three at the back um, and what it can offer. Certainly, the players that we have. You know, we've got the defensive numbers to be able to do that. We've got the defensive players, um, the, the number of centre halves that we need to be able to to do it. Um, when you look at the squad, if everyone was fit and Callum Chambers is back, you've got Per Mertesacker in there. Nacho Monreal can slot in. Um, you know, it's it's fairly versatile in in that regard. What what What's been interesting to me, I think, is that uh, against Stoke, I thought it was interesting that Mustafi played as the central uh, man in the in the back yeah. three, and Koscielny, um played to the left of him. I thought that was quite interesting because I'd assumed, I just assumed that Koscielny would come in uh, uh, as the central, as a, the the middleman, I guess. And Mustafi would have gone to the right and, and holding back over to to the left hand side, which is another thing that I think. Um, is impressive from Rob Holding the ability that he has to be able to switch sides uh, as a central defender is is really very good as well. So, um, but yeah, that was that was a bit of a surprise. But no, I'd like to see us stick with it. I mean, it depends who's going to be in charge next season. Is it going to be Arsene Wenger? It probably is. Um, I think at this point, uh, unless something goes in a different direction than many of us think, uh, it is going to be Arsene Wenger next season. So. Uh, I think you would be well uh, well advised to stick with it, having fashioned something that works uh, and something that has got us out of a, a really bad slump. We were in a terrible slump when you think about it. When you go back to to the point where he made that decision, you know, to 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 do it against Borough, and it looks to me like the team are becoming more comfortable with it. They look like they know what they're doing a bit more than they did certainly against Bury. You know, we got away with it, we won the game, but you wouldn't have said that it was a convincing defensive performance, and I think there have been improvements in that regard. So, you know, add something to the midfield. uh, Get the striker who could really, really flourish in in this system. I think that's an important part of, of making it work, is having the right striker. I'm not sure we have the right striker at the club. 
that would be the thing that would concern me a little bit. We've got some some okay strikers, but we don't have the guy who could really, really uh, be the cherry on top of it. So, but yeah, I, I would stick with this. Yourself? Yeah, I would be minded to do the same thing. I mean, obviously, it all depends on who the manager is, but assuming it's Arsenal, I would like to see. Uh, us persist with this system because basically I think if we go back to what we were doing before which is variants on a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 you probably you know so much work needs to be undertaken on the defence to fix the problems that were there all season Mm. the central midfield in the system just didn't function at all whereas I think those areas of the field actually are are working much better than they they ever did in the formation and I agree that in some ways the, the biggest problem to solve is that kind of attacking one. I think we found our gear again to an extent against Stoke, but the question of the centre forward, I mean I can't believe I can't believe it another summer and we're talking about a centre forward. But I think until Arsenal get that top top class mm. striker, that's that's gonna remain a, a big question mark. Okay, James Scretta, who is at JS Saxophonic. Uh I think he's got a saxophone in his in his uh Avatar picture. Could well be. Nice. Is it a saxophone? It is. Blimey. It it was a broomstick, and it (laughs) is a saxophone. (laughs) Anyway, he wants to know, or he says, Arsenal will have 75 points if they win out, uh, by which I think he means his uh, win the last uh, two games of the season. We will end up on 75 points. We could end up with four more points than we did last season when we finished second. He said last season Arsenal ended with 71. Isn't that technically an improvement? Hey, hey, hey. Yes, I guess technically points-wise it would be. But I suppose look at the league positions would be the counterpoint, right? I mean, like, you know, you can only... I, don't, I think comparing league seasons is always a very tricky game because the circumstances are so different. The context is so different. And I think the league table is ultimately a better guide. But, is that, but isn't, what do you think? Well, yeah, but I mean, isn't that isn't that also a good way of of judging a season? Like, you can compare seasons. You can't necessarily compare what what exactly happened in each season. But you know, the where you finish after thirty eight games, year after year after year after year, should give you an idea of your own team's performance. Um, so, I mean, I think it is technically yes, it is an improvement. You would be very hard pressed though to make the case that Arsenal as a team. And as a club, have made any progress? You can end up with more points, but you finish what three places, four places down the table, out of the Champions League, maybe. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's it's, any it's case to be made. Yeah, there's no case to be made for us making progress, even if we have got more points. That's it. I mean, I think the points tally. For me, the points tally is secondary to the league position. That that's just the the way I view it. And I think that you can't you can't regard going out of the top four as a step in the right, right direction mm. if it comes to that. I mean, even going from second to fourth. I mean, our, our, us finishing second last year uh, felt kind of weird at the time. I mean, it did not feel like a season which we deserved to finish second in the table. I mean, but, you know, I guess ultimately we did, but it, it felt uh, it felt freakish last year in every yeah. respect. Let's not forget who won the league. Um, I mean, I, I was interested in this question from Ben Fawcett on Facebook and Ben asked, with the exception of Chelsea, which of the other top six teams would Moni fans be happy with? 
What do you mean? Like, which, the the season? Or? Which other club in the top six, yeah, would, would we swap, you know, would fans take uh, ahead of our season? I mean, like, it, it is an interesting question. Would you rather be Spurs uh, and finish runners-up or be us and have a cup final to look forward to? Oh, yeah, those sort of choices wreck my head because, you know, there's no right answer here. You know, I, I'd yeah. like an Arsenal that was able to challenge for the title. Uh, I suppose uh, Tottenham did that. They did what we haven't done um, for mm-hmm, for quite mm-hmm. a while. You know, they were there thereabouts last season as well. But do I want to be Tottenham? No, of course not. But I would like our team to be more able and more capable of sustaining a title challenge over the course of 38 games. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think a lot of the top, top six sides uh, I've got work to do obviously Liverpool do Liverpool should have had the top four sewn up weeks and weeks ago that we even have a chance to to overtake them uh, if things go our way is, is frankly ludicrous uh, considering their position after they beat us after they beat Stoke you know they should have really kicked on and they should have that that top four place secured so uh, Man City have got work to do they're going to spend a lot of money in the summer Mourinho uh, at United I don't know what are they going to do spend another 150 million pounds uh, I think so yeah probably that's what they're going to do and whether that will make them better or not I'm, uh, you know we, we can't say you know when you spend that kind of a money uh, that kind of money we spent 90 million and we're disappointed imagine what Manchester United fans are thinking uh, what they spent and what they're paying certain players and everything else. So, um, yeah, look, I think there's a, the, the issue, I, uh, the thing that sticks out for me is because of the, the budget that Tottenham have and because they pay far less in wages, far less in transfer fees, what impact a really good coach can have on a team mm. and the way it performs. So um, I'm not quite sure where I'm going with this, but, you know, in terms <laughs> of in terms of the question, what would I swap? You know, I don't, I don't think that's an easy question to answer. I don't think it's a, 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 it's possible to answer that question. Um, so, yeah, look, I just want us to be better. That's all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, people say of Arsenal fans, oh, well, you complain when you were scraping into the top four and now you're not going to make the top four. You know, you're complaining mm. about that too. I feel like that's sort of missing the point, really. I mean, what we're complaining about is not challenging for the title in both cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what we want to be doing. Mm. Uh, and it's it's the kind of step we have to make. And I think if we have, want to have any realistic chance of doing that next year, we might have to be spending money in the regions of the United. I mean, I, I just mm. feel like everyone else around us is going to do precisely that. You do wonder if it's a case that Arsene Wenger <laughs> stays on, whether or not they will try and not placate people, but give him big money to spend so that it will, in some ways, uh, calm some people down. If they see that the club is investing heavily in the squad again, some people will say, well, look, what's the point in giving that money to a manager who's already spent a lot of money and who hasn't been able to make the team better? But, you know, it's one way of of getting people on side is spending money. We know people want transfers. They want to see new players come in. And, uh, you know, if he does stay and there's a, like a real ruthlessness in the transfer market um, where certain players are moved on and, and good big players are brought in, that'll make things a little bit more positive ahead of the next season. So, So we'll see. But look, here's a question from... Uh, John Booth, who's at John Booth underscore 74, he says, it's easy to knock Europa League, but what's your positive about being in that competition? 
Uh, good question. Uh, if it transpires that we are, I guess uh, novelty to a certain extent mm. would be one positive. Um, you know, we are very used to the Champions League, and I think probably as a fan base have grown a little tired of seeing us follow the same pattern in terms of our elimination. So I think the, the novelty of something different. I think the other positive is that we have to be considered one of the biggest clubs who might end up in it and, and one of the favourites to go all the way. And, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of the, the European equivalent of the League Cup, but it's one that Arsene Wenger hasn't won. He's lost in the final before and, mm. and might want to sort of go back and reclaim. I, I think, uh, look, I think if you're not going to be in the Champions League, you, you're probably better off. You know, we've mm. seen, you're probably better off not being in Europe. We've seen that with Liverpool and Chelsea this season and uh, Leicester in the past. But if you are going to be in the Europa League, I think they're the the good things to draw from it. I don't think it's necessarily ideal, though, by any stretch of the imagination. No. What about no. you? Yeah, maybe a chance as well to blood some players or give more playing time to certain players to really, certainly in the group stages, mm. to allow you to rotate your squad. Because I think, again, next season, people will be looking at this uh, team and hoping that it can mount a title challenge. Um if we can keep players a bit more fresh for the league by not using them in Europe, uh, then maybe maybe that would be a positive too. I think, like you, the novelty of it as well would be would be something that's a little bit different, different games, different times. Look, you know, you'd rather be in the Champions League. The Europa League is uh, not the competition people want to be in for various reasons because it does stretch your squad. But, you know, if you're there, if you're in the Europa League final... Um, everyone's going to want us to win it. So um, I think like you as well, there is a chance that we could win. Uh, it, it's a chance at a European trophy, which we haven't won uh, for a long time. So uh, there was another question, actually. Uh, was it a question or a comment? It might have been a comment. Yes, it was uh, John Stones, not the one um, who costs 50 million and plays right. for, for Manchester City. He's a... Uh, right, right, right. He's a happier-looking chap with a gigantic beer. Uh, he's at Stonesy 10, and he says, The UEFA Cup run in 2000 was great fun, he says. Do you remember? Um, I mean, the final was absolutely woeful. It was terrible. Um, but, yeah. but the run to the final, because we'd gone out of the Champions League, and at that point you went into, into the UEFA Cup. Um, without, without Googling, James, can you tell me uh, who we played? Played... I mean, I cannot remember... What, in the final? Not in the final, but on the way to oh. the final. I have no recollection whatsoever. I have to hold my hand up. That is not a campaign that I recall. So enlighten me. Who did we play? OK, having gone out of the Champions League, uh, our first game was against Nantes, um, and we won 3-0. Mark Overmars, Nigel Winterburn and Dennis Bergkamp scored the okay. goals. Um, yes, and then we went to Nantes, and had a 3-3 draw. Antoine Sibierski scored twice for Nantes, but Gilles Grimondi, Thierry Henry and Marc Overmars scored the goals. Then, what a night. Yeah, what a night indeed. Then, of course, there was a big break, but we played Deportivo La Coruña. Of course, uh, that was the did. night was of the yeah. That was the night the of the Canu goal, goal the, the amazing Canu goal um, where he dummies, dummies, just oh, brilliant. I love that. Um, one of those goals where you can hear the the replay, the ooh, when people see the replay yeah. of it, fantastic. One of my favorite goals. The other goal scorers that night: Lee Dixon, Thierry Henry with a couple, and Dennis Bergkamp. Jalminia scored a penalty for Deportivo before getting sent off. And in the other game, we lost two one to Deportivo. Thierry Henry scoring on the night. Then, Werder Bremen 
We played against Werder Bremen and won 2-0. Thierry Henry, Freddie Jumberg scored the goals and in the uh, return leg, Ray Parler got a hat-trick. Uh, and uh, Thierry Henry scored uh, scored the other goal. Um, and I think... that No, we'd one more game then uh, in the semi-final against Lons. Dennis Bergkamp scored after two minutes uh, to give us a home win, and then we won 2-1 away from home. Thierry Henry and Canu scoring the goals, and then, of course, there was the final against uh, Galatasaray, um, which was just fucking dreadful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a good game, not a good game. Uh, well, look, I mean, that does sound fun, and look, it's a competition in which we probably aren't going to draw Barcelona or Bayern Munich, so mm. there's that, too. To there is, to. yeah. <clears throat> oh, I'm really starting to struggle. I thought by this point in the show, I would have picked up, do you know what I mean? I mm, thought my voice be well would be lubricated. really on its rails. Mm. Yeah, I've seemingly not. Seemingly, uh, I'm reaching the end of my useful life, no <laughs> speaking ability. Um, <clears throat> let's try another question, though. You mentioned possibly having to move players on or be ruthless in the mm-hmm. summer. I've got a couple of questions here about uh, one player in particular, Carl Phillip, who's at the general 1981 on Twitter, says, has our new three at the back formation killed Walcott's career with us and should he be sold in the summer? And then uh, Nick Howell chimes in with, do you think our season fell apart when Mel gave Theo his coffee machine? <laughs> um, it's very difficult to see where Theo Walcott fits into this team, isn't it? Uh, in this shape, In definitely. this shape, because, you know, he's not going to play one of the... Uh, Ozil or uh, Alexis roles, and he's not really the centre forward, so it's hard to know exactly where he's going to fit in. He's certainly not going to be a wing back. Um, so yeah, it could well be a case that if we stick with this formation, that there are certain players who become um, square pegs, and we need them to fit into round holes. And yeah, he would be one whose whose future, I think, it would be in doubt. Um, it's very interesting. I don't know how much he's played at all since we moved to this formation, but I think he's had a couple of substitute appearances. That's probably it, yeah. isn't it? You know, in terms of in terms of what he's done in the last um, in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, he's very much on the out. So yeah, look, if we can sell him, move him on. If we're going to stick with this formation, get some money for him. He's what twenty eight now, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, he's twenty eight. So yeah, something like that. So, yeah, there's still some value. He started the Leicester game. He started the Leicester game. That was the only one he started. The rest, he's mainly been an un- unused sub or got the odd minute here on, here and there. Um, it's a really weird season for him, isn't it? Because he started extremely well and, and his numbers are very good. And yet, he's ended the season kind mm. of obsolete and not really part of the manager's plans. Yeah, it's his second best season from a goal-scoring point of view. I think he's got 19. Um so, yeah, look, it is one of those weird things. But then I think if any player kind of sums up our problems or our struggles to be convincing at times, it's it's been Theo Walcott down the years. Um, hmm. So, yeah, look, people will say you, you can't really argue with numbers. 19 goals scored from wide positions, for the most part. It's a very impressive return in terms of goal scoring. But... He's just one of those players, I think, who... I'm not sure that he, he... He really gives you as much as that kind of player should give you, if you know what I mean. It's amazing that he could score 19 goals and he's he's still not convincing in any way. So... 
Yeah, it's interesting because, as you say, he's not a wing-back, he's not a centre-forward. I guess that if you're looking at Chelsea's system as kind of a close parallel, he's kind of the the Pedro figure, potentially. Uh, but I think Arsene Wenger, he's got Erzul Alexis in there at the moment, he's always going to favour a player who's got more kind of technical security than Walcott gives you in yeah. those kind of uh, playmaking roles behind the striker. So it does look difficult for him if we continue with this shape. Mm. OK, you got another question? Um, maybe. Uh, this one is from Ben AFC 27 on Twitter. He says, I mean, it's, it's that old subject, last time Arsene Wenger signed a new deal, he let the FA Cup final determine his decision. Do you think he's doing that again this time? Not as much as last time. I think right. I think the last time... It was kind of all or nothing on that. Yeah, it really was. And... Uh, I don't think it was necessarily going to be his decision. Well, was it going to be his decision? I just think it would have been impossible for him to stay. Had we not come through Wigan and had we not beaten Hull in the FA Cup final, I, d- I just don't think he could have stayed. I, you know, the, the environment would have been far too toxic as it is. You know, he won the cup, he won the cup the next season. You know, if a miracle happens and we scrape into the top four and win the FA Cup, you know, it's a season that lots of people would swap. Um mm with more points than we got last season. You know, there'll be all the all the cases there to be made about how it's improvement and how we're going in the right direction and how, you know, we've ended the season in a in a really positive way. Uh, you know, but at this time around, I, I'm not necessarily sure that the FA Cup is the determining factor or the overriding issue. You know, he wasn't going to be he wasn't going to be drawn on it again today at his press conference. Uh, he, he wasn't answering any questions. And, you know, we, we, we don't know who's going to be the manager of the football club next season. And we're heading into the final week of the, the Premier League campaign and we don't know who's going to be manager. Well, I mean, maybe we, we do know. Do we? Do we know? I mean... Wh- I don't think we can. I mean, I, I feel like, you know... Let me ask you this. Do. Let me just ask you this. Do you feel, like, if you were to put any money on it right now, do you feel like Arsene Wenger <laughs> would be the manager of Arsenal next season or not? Is he more likely to be manager than not? Yes, mm. I think so. Yeah, me too. I think he's more likely to than not. Um, but, and, and I think if he wins the FA Cup, it's it's sort of guaranteed, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If he doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. Would it depend how you lose the final? Like if you lose to a controversial refereeing decision, if we're robbed of the final um, because of a refereeing decision, is does that make it more palatable than, let's say, getting whacked 3-0 or 4-0, which could happen? You know, I mean, would that play a part? Yeah, I think it feels like it would, but yeah. isn't it ludicrous, really, to kind of make a decision about the, the managerial direction of the club based on one game? I mean, isn't that absurd mm. when you can sit back and look at the season in broader context? I think... You know, it would be great to win the FA Cup, but I'm not sure it necessarily changes anything about our inability to challenge for the Premier League. No, There was a time when it did. In 2014, it did, because something that people said about the Arsenal team of that time was, oh, what they lack is the experience of winning things. They lack that first piece of silverware. If they can only get that, suddenly they'll be a title-challenging outfit. So there was kind of a case to be made of, oh, we have now got that building block. But as it transpired, it didn't really prove to do that mm. for the club in the way that we hoped. So 
I think it's more difficult to make the case based on on one match this yeah. time round. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, look, you know, it's one of those we could go around and round and round um, yeah, talking could, about. Yeah. We still don't have any more information than we did two weeks ago or four weeks ago or six weeks ago. Um, so we, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But what, you know, whatever whatever happens. Um, I think a decision will be made pretty soon after the FA Cup final. I think we'll know very soon after the FA Cup final what's going to happen, um, regardless of what the result in that game is. So um, we don't have too much longer to wait, everybody. You can relax. Relax. Yeah. Chris Wheeler wants to know, with Ospina likely to leave in the summer, how should we approach our goalkeeping situation? Is Chesney's career at Arsenal completely done? Should we try and get someone like Jordan Pickford in to work as an understudy to Peter Cech as a long-term plan? It's interesting, isn't it? I think a few weeks ago, people probably would have all talked about needing a new number one, but I think Peter Cech has really sort of stepped into the spotlight in the last few games with a string of really important saves. I think, funnily enough, he looks a much better goalkeeper when he's got a defence in front of him. (laughs) It seems to uh, Mm. help him out. Um, I'm a massive fan of Wojciech Szczesny, and I think he's had a really good season from everything I've heard in Italy I think I would like to see in mean, my ideal situation him come back and challenge Petr Cech a genuine contest between the two for the number one shirt uh, do I think Chesney's up for that I'm not so sure I think it's a big thing to ask someone who's played regular football in Roma for a couple of years now to come back and start on the bench and, and compete from that position yeah um, that's what I would like to happen but whether he can be convinced to do that I don't know. What mm. about you? I, I would like Chesney to come back. He, he gave an interview over the weekend, I think, to um, to BT Sport, to James Horncastle, and he said, you know, uh, I'm an Arsenal player. As soon as my loan finishes, I've got to come back to London. I've always said I'd love to be back there, but what will happen definitely won't be decided now, but in a month or two, uh, two months' time. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like... He could be the guy, you know, uh, to take over from from Czech. I know some people aren't convinced, but I like him. There aren't too many great goalkeepers around, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the standard of goalkeeper is is fairly poor. I prefer someone like uh, Butland to Jordan Pickford. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what people have been seeing in Jordan Pickford that would make us so interested in him. I know he's been busy because he's been playing for... For Sunderland, having said that, now he's going to have one of those games tomorrow, isn't he? He's going to do like an Edmund oh, van der Sar. He's done it there. Oh, I mean, thank hell. I, at least I didn't say it, Captain Jinx over it. <laughs> I do think there is a degree of that with Pickford. I mean, people who watch him regularly tell me he's a big, big prospect. I, I've seen him make plenty of saves, but then you probably would see any Sunderland goalkeeper make plenty of saves. Mm. I've seen Vito Minone look decent in a Sunderland shirt. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't know about that one. From what I hear, Everton are sort of at the front of the queue to take Jordan Pickford. So, okay, that's uh, good. Sh- sh- yeah, Chesney's the one I would really love to see come back. Um, but it's just re- it's really a question of if, what, if whoever the manager is can convince him mm. that that's kind of worth his time, really, because Czech's not going to give up those gloves in a hurry. No, no, and he's been very good the last few weeks. I think he's played a big part in the, in the good results that we've had. Um, you know, people put it down to the back three, but without his saves in some of the games, um, I'm not sure we would have achieved those results. Uh, so, yeah, look, I don't think Petr Cech is done, but certainly he's not a guy for the future. Chesney, come back. I'm not necessarily sure understudy is the is the right thing, but he could definitely compete. I think he could definitely compete with Petr Cech. And, uh, you know, he knows what it is to be an Arsenal player. He uh, he made some mistakes. We'll have to wait and see if he's learned from them. But you'd like to think that after two years away, 
coming back more mature, uh, grown up a bit, that he really could. You know, he's still only 27, Chesney. So that's that's pretty young in the life of a goalkeeper. Uh, so in the absence of any other real outstanding candidates out there, I'd be I'd be quite happy with that. Do you think uh, it's nailed on that Petr Cech will start the cup final? Yeah, as opposed to who? I don't know. I mean, was there... Emmy Martinez played in the early rounds, didn't he? But I don't... I can't see that continue. Did he? Am I right about that? Um, I can't actually remember. I will, I will look it up for you here. Um, Thanks. Ospina played a couple, I think. I just seem to recall that every other FA Cup final we've had, there's been a kind of debate, hasn't there, about, yeah, oh, the cup keeper, should the cup keeper play? Mm. Ospina started at Preston. Uh, he started at Southampton. Uh, he started at mm. Sutton United. And Petr Cech was in goal against Lincoln. And against Manchester City, Petr Cech was in goal. But, of course, Ospina was injured at the time. I, you know, for me, it was always ludicrous, the idea that we should pick between two goalkeepers. I still maintain to this day that the, the selection of Fabianski against Hull in the 2014 final was, was, was just wrong. It was absolutely yeah. wrong. Um, you know, you play your number one goalkeeper. You don't just, <laughs> you don't risk a trophy by playing a guy you consider second rate because you leave him on the bench every week for the league. You know, whatever about the guy doing a job to get you there and he was a hero in the FA Cup semi-final. You know, he made some penalty saves. You know, to, to, to go into a game that you had to win with that level of risk I mean look it, it seemed bizarre to me and to me as well this season the the job share thing between the goalkeepers is is ludicrous as well you know a Champions League keeper a cup keeper and a league keeper what a load of shit what you have what you should have is one keeper who's so good that he plays all the games and after that if he's not available you hope you've got some good backup that for me is the way to approach it. You know, you're not going to keep two men happy that way. Ospina won't be happy. Czech won't be happy and not playing in Europe. You know, it's just a bad situation. So for me, the idea would be to get one goalkeeper who's, who's good enough to play in all those games. That would be the ideal. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see, indeed. I think it will be Czech at Wembley, though, yes, certainly. Mm. All right. Well, look, I think we're going to leave it there uh, for this episode because we've got to come back on Wednesday. We've got to save some of your voice for Wednesday mm. as well. We don't want to wear you out. We don't want you coming back sounding like this um, no, on Wednesday. Yeah, and I do I do feel like the uh, the Lucky Charms attempt at the start of the show has probably damaged you um, more than it should it did have. did more harm than good, yeah, didn't it? it yeah, certainly did. it certainly did. I flew did. too close to the sun. Oh, poor Icarus. Um, okay, yeah. well, look, uh, thanks, as always, for listening. We'll, we will be here on Wednesday after the Sunderland game. Hopefully another win to talk about. Uh, so join us for that. Uh, until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.